Well, welcome to another hot and scorching week. I mean, uh, episode of Nikia Nightshade, Some Like It Hot. Is it hot enough for you? Uh, it's 105, like, every day where I am at the moment. I've moved since last season. Um, still in the hot zone. But I think we kind of all are at this point. I know there's a lot of heat wave action happening, and it's it's scary out there. So try to stay cool and enjoy today's episode because I have a really great guest coming up and although our conversation is brief it's meaningful and I just wanted to say this is obviously being recorded post this conversation that there's definitely a lot of topics that I did not get a chance to get to with this person and believe me I really do hope I get a second chance at it of course that's never guaranteed in life but I hope I do get a second chance at it because I definitely wanted to pick his brain a lot more he has a lot to say uh he also has his own podcast that should be might be coming back as he'll let you know later on in this episode but also i wanted to point out that there are conversations and i am aware um that happen in this interview that do in some sense get a little left off leave you wanting more and i just want you to know that's because We wanted to get to as much as possible, but also because some of these things are just up in the air. There's really no solution yet. So we do cover a lot of the recent situations, but I will let you know that this episode was recorded right before the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So you will hear us speak of that in terms of it not occurring yet. And believe me, I'm I'm kind of glad that that didn't overshadow the entire interview because I did not want to make it a one-note conversation because he is definitely not a one-note kind of guy. I also wanted to touch on last week's episode. Now, I want to be very clear. In my private life, I pretty much always tell my friends to shut me up or I ask them if I'm talking too much or, you know, I, I do try to reel it in. I'm not always good at it. I'm not great at it, but I do try to reel it in. I want to let you guys know in my public life, I am well aware that my voice can get very shrill. I am aware that it can get very high, it can get very deep, it can go all over the place. I have a lot of range. But I'm also aware that it can be extremely annoying and my delivery is not always great. So just, you know, bear with me. I'm a human just like everybody else, I think. (laughs) And... I'm not perfect. So I just want you to know, I am aware that sometimes I come off like that, but that's usually just because I'm feeling very passionate about the topic that I am covering at the moment. So as you know, we're dealing with a lot and this last uh, weekend was 4th of July weekend and we've had more shootings. Um, Some made it to mass press you know the the bigger press uh in the media some of them didn't the ones that made it to the bigger media outlets was um copenhagen which is not america but it doesn't negate the fact that we should note that it happened overseas but we should also note it doesn't happen as often as it does in america we have roughly 300 mass shootings in america since January. So in less than, I would even say less than six and a half, seven months, that's how many mass shootings we've had. And I forget exactly what the scale is to call something a mass shooting. I think it has to be in an open area or an area where there's a, a, a certain amount of people that would make it that. 
Because I know back in the day, they never, and maybe you can have this conversation on my social media, Nikia Nightshade, Instagram, everything, all one word, uh, Twitter and everything else. They never called the gang violence mass shootings, right? Like when they would drive by a school or a park or wherever and just shoot up the place, they would call it a drive-by. They would call it a gang shooting. They never called that a mass shooting. They only started calling them mass shootings when they started to happen in a particular area, a subset, a suburb, or school. Suddenly, now it's a mass shooting. Now, of course, obviously, if it happens at a mall, you know, a park or wherever, I'm glad that they do. But I do find it interesting that particularly this year, here I go being controversial again, trigger warning, that the mass shooting that happened in Illinois is getting so much coverage. Now, I know you're thinking, well, why would you think that that doesn't deserve coverage? I didn't say it doesn't deserve it. But it happened on 4th of July weekend. And quite frequently, if I'm remembering accurately, every summer, especially 4th of July weekend, we hear about shootings, drive-bys, gang-related violence in Chicago. They're never referred to as mass shootings. Now, this shooting had just as many hurt, injured, and dead as numerous ones in the inner city in Chicago, but it's getting totally different press. It's got that headline of mass shooting. And I just can't imagine what what it could be that gives it that sort of, you know, <clears throat> je ne sais quoi. You, you figure that out. And uh, you can feel free to DM me or message me or at me at Instagram, Nikki Neche, Twitter. But I do feel sorry for the victims. I feel sorry. Oh my gosh, there was this one where there was a child that got lost in the chaos and someone posted on their Twitter, like, do you know this child? I'm trying to find their family. And I guess she's been sorted out and back with her family. I don't know the rest of the story. I'm sure it will be all over the news. Um, So of course, I feel horrible for all those people. I'm not negating their pain or their suffering or what they went through at all. But I am trying to bring light to the fact that this happens routinely every summer, especially 4th of July weekend in Chicago specifically. And it doesn't get the type of coverage. It will get coverage, not the type of coverage that this particular shooting is receiving. So I just wanted to to say my piece on that. Also, you know, I mentioned on my Twitter that I felt like 4th of July should be canceled because of what's going on as far as, I mean, we're, they're just sitting there getting ready to remove everybody's rights they possibly can. And there's people who are in Congress, people who've already served in the Trump um, administration who are like, I can't wait. Uh, we need to keep working harder and harder until Mississippi and Missouri and this and that looks exactly like The Handmaid's Tale. Not a joke. Google it. These are people who already served in our government saying that people who are currently serving in our government saying they want it to look like the hands being sound. I'm thinking to myself, where are their wives? Where are their daughters? Where are all the women in these states? Do these women not understand what that means? That means that some of you will be 
living with your husbands, but you'll still be treated like crap. You'll still be, you'll still be one speak up and say something, bitch, slap across the face, you know, from getting a slap across the face or worse. I mean, if they haven't, I don't, I don't know if any of them actually saw The Handmaid's Tale. Like some of the wives have their fingers removed to learn a lesson. You know, they, they didn't just treat the wives great. And by the way, not everybody is a wife. So some of these women who are like, yeah, this is going to be great. You'll be subjugated to house help or sex slave. Well, reproductive sex slave, you know, or just killed. I mean, that's what The Handmaid's Tale is. That's what happened in the book, on the show. So I don't know if they even really understand what they're saying. I think that what they're thinking is it'll be religious and we'll restrict people and we'll get back to nature and Adam and Eve and all this other fantasies they have that are, you know, based in a book that, like I like to say on all of my social media, they listen to and read a book that was written before electricity, before toilet seats. And honestly, I don't know why they wasted the paper. Although I think some of it was on tablets, if I'm correct. It wasn't all on paper. I, I, I can't remember. Don't, don't ask me. I, I don't know how far back we're going. We're not going back to like Socrates or anything. But, but the point is, it was before we were modernized. The fantasies that they wrote about, the make-believe that they wrote about, the fact that they want us to adhere to fairy tales and stories from men who I, I, I don't even want to go there but like let's just be realistic this is these are not the people we should be listening to we shouldn't I don't need to get my medical advice from the bible I don't need to get um directions from the bible I don't need to get you know I don't even think historically there's anything in the Bible really that you can utilize because there's not a lot of historical accuracy in the Bible as well. So it's like the Bible is a book of fairy tales. There's some fables and there's some, you know, lovely little moral things in there wedged in between slaves should be happy with their masters and, you know, men are allowed to lay with as many women as they want and stuff like that. But it's just a book written a long time ago when people didn't have Netflix and HBO Max. They just they just had nothing to entertain them. So they had to read and write about these things. And I know I'm going off on a tangent, but I'm really not because that's where we're headed. These people want us to adhere to their... I mean, they were saying um, the other day it was trending, one true God, that we all should be following the law under the one true God. One woman was doing a speech and she said... The law should abide by the Bible and not the other way around. And that's what we're going to do in the, the, the Republican Party. We're going to push to have the Bible make the laws, the law of the land in America of, of the one true God. I'm sorry, but I'm not going with that. I don't want to follow the Hindus. I don't want to follow the Muslims. I don't want to follow the Jews. I don't want to follow the Christians. I don't want any of those religions, those lovely books and their routines and their costumes and all the things that they do that comfort them till the grave. I don't want them dictating to me or anyone else how you should be allowed to live your life as long as you're not hurting anyone. And the fact that the Christians are trying so hard in this country to take over the government is horrifying. And I just want to make it clear that for anybody who, you know, does, you know, hears me say this and thinks that that means I don't like you, that does not mean that I don't like you. I worry about you, but, you know, 
getting sucked into the cult side of Christianity. And I would ask you to please respect my ability to live my life on my own terms. But I don't dislike you. And we were able to coexist before because before there was this known separation between church and state. And now that they're trying to blur the line or completely erase the line, you either got to be with us or not. You need to be with the everybody or you're with them. Because at this point, it's coming down to that. It's really coming down to the collective versus, I hate to say it, but the Christians, the crazy Christian, uh, in some cases, terrorists in this country, especially the white supremacist terrorists that also claim to be Christians. So we've got a big problem on our hands. And I don't want anyone who comes here to think that, that they're going to be excluded. In fact, I'm going to be inviting people onto this podcast in the coming episode who are going to speak about religion and I am not going to agree with any of them on any of their religions none of them so don't think that I'm going to invite one person because I agree with them one nope I don't I don't adhere to any religions I'm spiritual at best Buddhist when you know when I like to read some of the text um and and me I'm me that's it okay I don't believe in heaven and hell I wish I could because it you know that'd be nice to have somewhere else to go uh but if being under anesthesia the multiple times that I have, I'm pretty sure that when we die, that's what it is. It's just the blacking out, but without the waking up part. <laughs> so knowing that, uh, I am just trying to, to bridge the gap between um, my listeners and what we're about to go through. I want you guys to know that I'm here with you. I'm going to try my best to be fair and balanced. But you will hear my opinion and you will and you need to understand that that is where I stand. Okay. so with that being said, you're not going to really hear me talk too much in the next 30 plus minutes of this podcast because I have a fantastic guest coming up. His name is Martin Mr. Bats Bradford, and he is an actor who I have been lucky enough to uh, hook up with, so to speak, through the TikTok world because We just happen to blend our algorithms and get to know each other. And he is a great guy. And I could not wait. I've been trying to get him on the podcast for almost a year. So I'm really happy to finally have him on. I think you guys would really enjoy this uh, conversation. And so let's head right into that. Nikia Nightshade Some Like It Hot is brought to you by The Beat House Cosmetics and their latest Legacy Eyeshadow Palette. With titles like Birthright, Heirloom, Estate and Inheritance, this mother-daughter duo, black family-owned company, is making sure to bring a little bit of legacy right to your face. TheBeatHouseCosmetics.com. Use hashtag SomeLikeItHot and get yourself a lovely little discount. You can also find it at City Trends Nationwide. Welcome to a speed round version of Some Like It Hot by Nikki Nightshade. 
Now, I am very lucky to be joined today with someone I had to catch on the fly. He's actually in his car right now, so we're hoping the audio works out good for us. But I'm here with Martin Batts Bradford. Say hello. What's up? What's up? Happy to be here. Well, I like to refer to him as Mr. Batts, as we do on, on the web. Yes? Yes, we can do that. That works. Okay. <laughs> All right. So he's, he's known as Mr. Batts pretty much. So I want to just break it down. You, you're an actor. Yep. Now you're. Is it better to call you an entertainer, or are you just straightforward up and down an actor? I mean, I'm an actor. I'm a filmmaker. I'm a storyteller, man. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the reason why I say this is because I've been really lucky. I've, this is my fifth season of my podcast. The first two seasons was like out the gate crazy with the people I've had on here, but I have never got to have a fellow thespian on here. So, and someone who's really doing so well right now, and I'm really happy to have you here. So thank you for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. We can talk some acting shit now, whatever you want to play. <laughs> oh no, yeah. Oh, please feel free to talk to me however you want to. I mean, not, I mean, not however you want to. No, God, watch. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you can ask me questions. It's fine. You know, I'm here to have a dialogue. This is not your standard interview. It's more like me hanging out with the people that I find interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to make it clear. You're on TikTok right now and it's blowing up but you've also been featured or not i shouldn't say featured but you've been in a lot of motion pictures and television shows or just films tv shows and films yeah tv shows right so i i pulled up your imdb i got my cheat sheet here i have your imdb which by the way i love that you have an imdb i'm so i love that um was that hard to get like did you have people who do that right people did that for you imdb Typically, as soon as you book your first credit, they automatically create like an IMDb page for you. Okay. Then you can take it over. And if you take it over, that's when you can put up your own pictures and such. And no matter what, whenever you book something, that does it, that does it on its own. But also, if you get like this thing called IMDb Pro, you can like, let's say you book something, but they haven't posted it yet. You can post it and they'll accept it and they'll post it early for you as well on IMDb Pro. You can like look up agencies. You can look up um, who, who other people are represented by. It's a lot yeah. of stuff going on. So like, yeah. So let me let me ask you this, right? So you're are you a card member in the Zag, yeah. in the Actors Guild? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that also helps too because I know a lot of people when they they talk about you know getting into the business, I'm like you got to get a card. Like it's it's you have to do it because. Otherwise, you can get work, but it helps you get work. It helps you find your place. And so I was looking at, I did watch the trailer for, um, oh God, what is this one? The Blue Bayou? Yeah. Okay, I did watch the trailer for that. That looks really good. So was your role, so the guy in that movie, he has a, a lot of legal troubles. Let me ask you, was your role somebody who was helping him break the law? Yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know why I asked you because I know that I know that you've played a couple of very interesting characters, to say the least. And I did happen to see you sink your teeth into the role on Netflix. What was the name of that film? Um, Night Teeth. Night Teeth. The Vampire Joint. What is it? The Vampire Joint. The right? Vampire <laughs> One. Yeah. And yes. and Megan Fox is in that, right? She was in that, but I didn't get to meet her. I met um the two. I met all the three leads, so they were all yeah. Cool. And so, but you get to, 
you have a very interesting look. So for those of you who are only listening and not watching, which I suggest that you definitely watch and you go find this man on TikTok, um, he has a very interesting look. You have a very unique, I want to say seasoned look because you're not, you're definitely not a teenager. You're a grown man and you have the look of a seasoned man, but you still have a young man look. Do you know that? Did they, did they tell you that when you do a lot of casting stuff? I mean, you know, you got to know your type. You got to know where you fall or whatnot because they got some people, man. There's one actress, I can't think of her name right now. She was playing a teenager well into her late 30s because yeah. she just looked so freaking young. Yeah. So oftentimes, that's why when people, oftentimes actors, unless you're famous, they say don't say your age because it's better to let the casting directors guess. So because sometimes they would think that like you would have a, sometimes if a casting director knows your exact age, they might predetermine you in their head for what you can play. Whereas if they don't know, hell, they might tell you something that's 21, 25, 29, 34, whatever, and you know, you're more open. I want to say something about the SAG situation too. Okay. The funny thing that I learned about getting a SAG card, though, when you first starting out, you shouldn't, you shouldn't get a SAG card at first because once you get a SAG card, then you can only do SAG projects. Now, doing SAG projects is great, but like when you first starting out, you might need to build your resume and your demo reel up with some projects that might be independent of SAG that still could be good projects. But if you're SAG, they won't even book you. And that might be, you know, because truthfully, the first time you book a role like on a SAG project and you say a line, even one line, you are SAG eligible and you can pay your way in and get into the guild. I often tell people, if you just got that one credit in that one line, you don't have to rush to get it. Because once you're SAG eligible, you're always eligible. Yeah. You should just build. You should build a little bit first, you know, because rushing well, to only do SAG projects can be, you know, I can't. Can I can't talk on that because everything I've ever done was independent ever since I was a kid. But I've been in the, the, the business for a long time and I've seen like the inner workings and a lot of my friends who did end up getting their SAG card, that was like, they did say what you said, which is that the, all of a sudden the independent work that they were doing before, they couldn't do it. And Unless it's SAG independent. Yeah, they couldn't do it. So I, I get what you're saying. But I do always tell people to go for it because I wish that I had earlier on. But I'm kind of waiting till I'm older now because I'm really interested in being older characters. And people won't hire me for that because they think I'm younger. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm really old. I just, you know, I, I'm a vampire too, by the way. Just I mean, yeah, come on. Like, I'm fellow vampires. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I okay, so I wanna I don't wanna miss a beat with you because I have so much I wanna ask you. So first of all, okay, you have your own podcast that you were working on, especially during the pandemic. You were doing sort of a podcast situation. How is that? Is that coming back? Are you gonna do that again or I plan on bringing the podcast back most likely probably at the end of the summer. It was just like it took because we have been podcasting for a good four or five years it's called the Fly with Bats Podcast. Yep. And we was the, like the video on um, our YouTube page on Gumbo Monster on um, 504, as well as on the FWB Network on Instagram. And, you know, we, have, we had a video show, we had an audio, and it was going pretty good. Then the pandemic hit and I lost my house and like a whole lot happened. Like, yeah, yeah. but um, Hurricane Ida hit, so and, and this knocked everything. I lost all my equipment and such. So it's like, it's been hard to jump back on that horse with everything that I've been like, just trying to, you know, catch up with doing. But it's something that's been dear to me because a lot of people don't understand as a podcast, and in many ways, it's like therapy. Like, in a way, you get to just talk and release and just yeah, run. Yeah, I call this my stuff. diary. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah, my diary. Dude, because I often say, man, like, 
it's like time capsules. Like you, once you throw these out here, you can come back to this 2015, 20, like 20 years from now and see like where your mind was at or like what you oh, was on. Oh, you can come back or somebody else will when they want to cancel you. They'll look for something. Well, <laughs> so be careful what you say in your time capsule. But, but, but in, in the midst of that, it still was factual. Like I would, even even if like, even, I was, even if I was problematic 10 years ago, if I'm problematic now, quote unquote, if I've grown from there, I think that's a beautiful thing if I can recognize it, as yeah. long as it's actually something worth growing from and not just some shit people drum up, you know, there's a difference. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that you you said that. And the thing is, one of the things I wanna ask you because you're, and my main, my main focus for this conversation, you know, if you ever come back, that'd be great. If we ever link up again, that's fine. But I definitely wanna make sure that my main focus in this conversation is you as a black male in the acting community because I'm fascinated with that. Um, you know, I'm just fascinated with that. I've had a lot of other people on who are here to discuss everything from, you know, I've had NBA, not NBA, oops, NFL, <laughs> NFL players and directors. And I've had, you know, all types, but I've yet to have an actual person who is not only an actor who is active in the community, but you also are very active in your community. I see you like to do, you know, things with children. I, I don't know if you're a teacher or if you just like to give back but I know that you're very active in your community and the number one thing that you do on your TikTok, although you are, you're all over the place as far as like creative wise, the number one thing that you do on your TikTok is you really like to drop some information on people about everything. So as an actor, is that part of your initial like goal? Like, yes, you wanna, you know, make it in the business for your craft, but do you also have like a goal for your community? I mean, yeah, definitely. I was like, I was raised with my grandparents and they always basically instilled in me, like, you know, what they call wokeness right now, like just, you know, awareness of like, you know, the truth and, you know, our history and, you know, just advocacy and such. So I, that that part of me never died out. Even, you know, like I said, I teach, I teach like it's my day job. If I'm not on a set, I'm teaching acting to kids. And many times when you teach acting, you also uh, mentoring. Cause like to be expressive, you got to be able to connect with them. So you got to be able to find them, meet them on the level. So sometimes we doing, you know, scene work. And sometimes we just sit in the class, just talking. I'm saying, you know, what's up? How you doing? Let's run it, you know? So. Um, that part of me, I'll often say, um, if the actor thing pop off and I get famous, I'm, I'm gonna be a problem because I'm not gonna stop the type of stuff that I already talk about. And I'm, I don't really have a muzzle on me. I don't really have a filter. I talk, I talk. So I think I'll be a pretty interested celebrity. I don't, I don't think that'll be a problem because you know that's I kind of go with that same thing. Whereas I've been myself this whole time since I've been in this business, and I don't change because this way. When they do that little rewind and they try to go back and be like, oh, remember how you like that? I'm like, no, I'm still like that. So I don't feel ashamed. Back. I own what I do. I think that's smart because you definitely, in this day and age, you definitely have to be, you have to own everything you're doing because if you don't, then that's what people will use to break you down. So you might and have I to I think it's always good as long as you stay in your truth. Because some right. people, you know, they, 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 they play these characters or uh, like they don't believe this, the crap that they're saying. And that's when they'll catch up with them because it's like, that wasn't really you. So now that you're trying to be you, it's, it's conflicting. I stand by anything I say, I believe. Anything I say is my truth. So I'm, I don't have to, like you just said, have to worry about the rewind. The rewind always gonna be straight. Well, you know what's so funny is if I, I still, I'm trying to set up my OF and stuff like that because I'm trying to have like this extra content stuff. I don't know about like, I'm not gonna do porn.
porn or anything like that. But, you know, some extra, something sexy. And I was thinking, I was like, oh gosh, I really want to talk to him. Because I know you got some sex stuff you want to talk about. <laughs> because I've watched, if you, let me warn people, if you look at his stories, you're going to know what he's into. Sometimes I feel like I take a trip through your sexual fantasies. Because you will post these women, and they're beautiful women. And I'm like, okay. Okay, uh, now all right, because there's some booty clapping and some lotion in the booties, and a lot, a lot happens in my stories. Like somebody was laughing at the fact that it's just like, what is like intellectual ratchetness? Because you know, you just see some ass, and then you might see something about Jim Crow, and then you might see some funny shit about like nothing. No, your your stories about. are definitely, I would have to say, like a way, uh, like a path your your mind at the at that day you know what i mean it's like this is where i am right now this is what i'm thinking about and you share it at that level and i think you also like to share things that you see um on tiktok on instagram having to do with social justice i know that you were definitely in on a lot of that and so i wanted to ask you so right now we're headed into and you can tell me your own opinion on this or if you don't want to say anything you don't have to but supposedly they're going to be talking about reversing roe versus wade do you have any thoughts on that like do you think that we're out of control with that do you think you know what will happen if they do do that do you have any anything you want to share on that i i, I stand by i don't think men like all these men with these opinions on what to do with women's bodies and just need to butt out. I feel like a whole bunch of women politicians should be making that decision. And even still, I think the decision should, I don't think the government should have any bearings on what y'all do with your women do with their bodies. You know what I'm saying? Like, it makes no sense to me. So I'm, I'm not for reversing that whatsoever. I'm for like, leave people alone, let them do what they do. You feel me? Especially if it's not harming no one else. Well, and I also think, I feel like people are so okay with something being reversed if it doesn't affect them. But right. it's like, how many things do you want to get reversed? Because we could reverse a lot of stuff and we could be in a big, like, <laughs> you know? We could be in a, a really big dilemma if y'all want to start playing that game. And right. it's just, it's just so unnecessary. Like, what's the point? Because the thing is, you're not going to stop abortions. People are going to still find a way. It's going to be more dangerous, which means more people are going to be getting hurt instead of the alternative which is let's make things safer like you can't force someone to believe what you believe on either end right. but on on the biggest end one person's belief is of impeding upon another one's body and the other person is saying i don't want that so in that instance i don't feel like these are two people with separate like one's right two rights no it's this is right leave people bodies alone and you take your religion <laughs> political opinions and all that bullshit and you keep that over there because you shouldn't be forcing either upon anyone else and that's all this is and it's them getting there they're always trying to tell people what they can do and not do the other thing is i know you like to smoke you've been pretty clear about that so now where you live is it legal or is it medical or is it none medical and is decriminalized but it's still not legal medical and decriminalized okay so yeah. what do you think so my thing is this i'm not a smoker i do have cbd but i haven't smoked like the real thing in a long time i don't really have an opinion on it other than i've been watching as it's becoming more legalized or decriminalized and what i've noticed happening is like these um non-minority run companies are getting in on the business and making lots of money selling it selling products pertaining to um but they're still not letting people out of prison that were arrested for it and I feel like when we finally get to a place where it's as legal as going to get a Budweiser or whatever that 
the people who are going to make the most money off of it are going to be all of the people who used to vote for it to be illegal. And all the people who've been supporting it this entire time, who wanted these things passed, are going to be the ones who are just going to be basically buying it, paying way too much for probably even synthetic versions of marijuana. So what did you have anything to say about that? I mean, that is the entire setup that's going along, going along, going on right now. There's even um, like black dispensaries and black owned companies that's, that we, that's often talk about. There's not enough of them out there. And like already, like, you know what I mean? Those people are already monopolized, trying to monopolize the market and even push the black people and the people of color out. So like you said, when it's all said and done, when the law, it just really, it loudly seems like, feels like, and, and obviously is, they try to get all their ducks in the row so they can, you know, politically, like, so they can, like, okay, make sure I got my land. I make sure I have mine, I have mine, I have mine. <laughs> then they're going to make the shit legal. And like you said, it's going to be a spit in the face of so many black people and so many people of color that went to jail for selling freaking 20 bags for doing the same thing. Right. And there's, there's like, a, I think one city started, like, letting people go. Like, it, it's not nothing across the board. I think it happened to, like, one of the cities started letting people out that had those non-criminal offenses to that. Yeah, and that was mostly because, that was mostly due, I think it was New York, and I think that was mostly because um, New York and California both have overpopulation, so they were just like, oh, well, we'll just let them out because right. we, we need room anyway to arrest them for something else. So. Right. <laughs> it's not hurting. It's not hurting you. We'll let them go. It's right. just whatever. So... You see the setup, like that is exactly what they're doing. I mean, they have the monopoly on tobacco, and at one point that was like every like it's it's an age old thing, and it's unfortunate to see because still in the in the current generation, even though us as black people we're we're more well off than we've been in previous generations, we still don't have enough capital within the entire society to be able to like. Well, we really have Juneteenth now, so. Yay, <laughs> and we also got Juneteenth ice cream. So we're on the other side of Juneteenth at this point. I don't know the exact date that this is going to air, but it's somewhere around Juneteenth and 4th of July. And so what do you think about the fact that now there's a separate holiday basically for black people for 4th of July? And now that it almost seems like 4th of July is supposed to be for everyone, but now maybe it's classified as not for everyone. I mean, by its own nature, Fourth of July hasn't been for everyone for a long time. In a way, like true, truthfully, do us as Black people really celebrate with what they celebrate in this? Like, generally, like I know, certain, I know certain. I can't speak for everybody, but I know in certain pockets of Black folk, when you think of Fourth of July, you think about getting off work and just being with your family more so than being patriotic and the American flag and whatever you know. Yeah. Oh, and we see and all it was that like shit. like so, all weekend party at my uncle's and just like debauchery. Really, I didn't Fourth of July. Sure, whatever. <laughs> right. Like even even if someone is rocking like the flag, it's most likely ironically. It's not because they're that much of a patriot. They just know, oh, this is supposed to wear for Fourth of July. Whatever. Like it's not even yeah. that deep for us anyway. So if anything, we just all capitalize it. It's not like white people had to go to work on Juneteenth either. So we all just comp- well, no, capitalize. But, but I the thing about oh. Juneteenth is. I don't know, like, I want to feel like it's a move in the right direction, but for something, I don't know what it is about it that's still not sitting right with me, and I don't want to say it too much online, because I feel like then people will think I'm being a hater, I don't know, whatever, but something about it. I think this is the deal. Mm-hmm. I think it is a it is a move in the right direction to have a holiday called Juneteenth because it forces future generations, even if they don't get it now, future generations are gonna be have gonna, gonna have to learn about this topic. And previous generations obviously didn't. 
So for, for that, once again, symbolic reason, yes, I'm glad it's here. The problem that the reason why it feels dirty is because you see the commercial your commercialism of it already. Like there's certain things that we used to be commercialized because we always grew up with it. But now in our face, we're seeing the dawn of it. We weren't around when Valentine's Day first came up or when Christmas, Thanksgiving, none of these things first came up. So we're so desynthesized to their commercialism when you're thinking about it. But this one is a very personal one at that. It's, we, we're watching the holiday be born. We're watching it be commercialized, but it's commercializing our black pain and history. So that's why he's too kind of dirty. It's like, man, I wish it was just for us, but I see the I see the importance of it being for everyone to know of. But damn you, I see what the hell y'all trying to do with it. And there's so many things that you haven't given us that it feels like you're giving us this too early. Like, yeah, we want that, but there's some other shit you're supposed to have been given us in the meantime. Like, like reparations. You know what I'm saying? Like it's almost like you're trying to call this reparations, and we're like, no, this is a nice, nice sticker. This is a nice bowl on top of the empty box you're giving us. But what the fuck? What's what you gonna put in the damn box? So I think I think that's that dirtiness of you feel of like you're not gonna be like screw Juneteenth. No, we should know about Juneteenth, but the commercialism, this national holiday, y'all, it's that fake shit. It's that fake activism. There's a word for it. But I can't think of what it is, but it's just they just try to like. Uh, not pander's not the word, but it's like it's close to it. It just like we both know what it is, and it feels dirty. But it's like I wouldn't want to get rid of it, but I just wish more like of what we actually it's like was brought to the forefront. It is. A, it's not even fully a settlement. It's a freaking um appeasement. It's like. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, I'm really, really, really mad at you. Instead of having a conversation, you're gonna go down on me. But I, okay, that was great. Whoa. I caught one. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It was great. I got me. But like, I'm still mad. Like that. Right. That was. That was. Okay, we had sex. Great. But we still need to fucking talk. And America don't want to talk to us. They just want to like give us a you know hand job. It's like, come on, bro. It's a hand job from America. I think that's a beautiful quote that we can end that topic on. That <laughs> <laughs> works. Okay. So moving on from, you know, Lady Liberty giving a good one too. Um, let's just, I want to I wanna dive into a couple of things that you talk about on your TikTok specifically. So I know th there's a thing that's going on. I talk about it too. But there's a thing that's going on that I can't understand it. And I know it's because of COVID that it, it became what it is with the podcast and stuff like that. I get it. I started my, I, I randomly started my podcast right before the whole shutdown and all that stuff happened. I didn't know, you know, that was going to happen. It worked out. But, but what has happened since then is the rise of like these men who are giving men who are giving advice to other, you already know where I'm going. For giving advice. That's one of the reasons why it's taking me another reason why it's taking me a minute to come back because it's like men with podcasts have a bad rep now. So it's like, I'm like, yeah, well, they gave themselves too. a bad rep because the thing is, we were willing to listen to them. You know, my thing about, and I wanted to bring him up again, it's tough because he's passed away, but his legacy lives on through these other gentlemen, right? So, you know, yeah. I'm going to say, um, yeah. what's his name? Kevin Samuels. Kevin. Yep, Kevin yeah. Samuels. You knew I was coming. And so, you know, when Kevin Samuels blew up during the pandemic, post-pandemic, it seems like watching him inspired so many other trolls to decide to be like, let me just stop being a troll in the chat and put a camera in front of me and a microphone and go off. And since they've done that, it's just like, it's maddening because the way, it just seems like their whole goal is to make every man turn on all of the women 
that's all I see. Like, they just want them to turn on the women, you know, get us, get them to treat them badly. I don't know what, what's up with that, but you definitely have a, a fix on that because you kind of make fun of them really well. Like, the way you do it is way better than anything I could do because they're just like, shut up, or So, <laughs> so try to explain for my audience like what it's like being a man and specifically a black man because it, it definitely seems to be a black people problem right now because that's the community that's being poisoned the most it's it, you you got a few of the the white men and, and hispanic men doing it but it is a lot of black men that are out in these streets like talking about what you're bringing to the table and single mothers are useless or whatever so tell me what that's like seeing that happen and then whatever you want to add I mean, it's, it's, it's frustrating, but I get it because we all get taught this bullshit. Like, it's a conditioning that you get, like, you know what I mean? The player stuff, like your masculinity is based, based upon your sexual prowess and like how, how good you can play the game and how good you can manipulate, but they ain't gonna call it manipulation, they're gonna call it the game. Right. But it's like, stuff is like, you know how, like what's, is what defines a man to a lot of, with a lot of these cats growing up and such. And it just feels like, like this perfect storm of a bunch of things was happening at once. Um, the Me Too movement happened, which for some men, they felt like this was an attack on men when it's like, no, it's not an attack on men. It's just, we gotta take in some of these things that we thought were norms, we gotta take in. It's like, man, maybe it shouldn't have been a norm, you know? And too often in change, there's always that pushback and that defensiveness. We see it when black people try to talk to white people and white people are like, what you talking about? We're like, no, this is racist. Same issues happening with men and women, especially black women and black women. It's like, oh, these things that we're saying now is okay. That might be considered rape. That might be considered coercion. That might be considered manipulation. That might be considered gaslighting. As we, as, an, as a community, we're evolving. Not everyone is keeping up with the evolution and some people want to hold on to old, you know, old deals. So like when women got more power, when women got more voices and, and such, there's a contingent of men that have been jealous of women and 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 then we have these resentments and this hatred and this contention of men also that have been striking out with women and haven't been able to live up to these high standards that we do place on black men. You gotta be this, you gotta be that, you gotta survive this, you gotta survive that, you gotta, you gotta be, be six feet and a baller. I mean, there's so like even before even before we get into like the, the superficial aspects of it, just being a black man in this country and what's expected of you to get through, and then just the notion of like a lot like back in the day it was easier to get money. Nowadays, there's a lot of dudes out there that are struggling to get money. They got a lot of women out here that got money and have these higher expectations. That's harder for men to take in. Like, man, maybe I should look within and instead of like gaslighting and lash out. So. All these things started happening around the same time as resentment, this I want to get a lick back. Is that, that's what it started, the Me Too movement started feeling like. It started feeling like some men want to just get a lick back. Like, white people are doing this too. If, a, if, if, if like, now if a white person is killed by a black cop, the white people are like, well, what you gonna say now, Black Lives Matter? <laughs> it's the same thing. It's like, not well, for the longest men. Yes, but men have been wanting to get their lick back. So when Kevin Samuels came talking that shit, saying these things that resonated with these lower vibrational men and sprinkle some with truth. That's the thing too, the best lie, the best kind comes with some truth or right. something that you can identify with. Right. So he stirred that pot and was putting women in their place and they just ate that up like porn. So it was one of those things of he 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 he, he struck a match of something that was already bubbling and now the the what we have are these podcasts, all these men that feel like they can tell other men how to handle women or how to be better men when none of these situations make sense if all these women are saying, hey, yo, that's not what's turning us now, on. Now, do you get called like, like a, do you get called like a simp or a white knight or any of that in your comment section? Not as much as some cats. It's a funny thing, man. Um, Cause I've said this before too, it's trippy how some cats are coming in my comment section 
and battle more with the women in the comment section instead of talking directly to me or dealing with me right. and such. I don't like. I don't think like I'm this big bad wolf, but I just think because I see how some of the other cats are. I think I have a certain level of masculinity that that steps that that because I get it every now and then. But it's not to a certain degree that some of my other compatriots that might seem a little softer, a little, you know what I mean, a little have a little bit more feminine energy. They're saying the exact same shit. No, but I, jump can I can I say it for you so you don't have to say it? Because I'm gonna say it, right? What it is is the men that are looking these sort of beta men that are looking for these alpha men to guide them. When they hear it come from you, they look at you and they're like. Yeah, he probably gets pussy, so I should probably listen to him. No, I'm going to say it because that's what it is. That's what it is. Let's be realistic. So they can tell that you're not having a problem getting laid. So if they don't want to listen to you, then they're stupid because you're not just some guy who's just rattling off like some of them that are in their basement or the ones that always bring the strippers on. They bring like the 18-year-old strippers to sit there next to them and the, they can outsmart the stripper. It's like, wow, yeah, she just literally left senior in high school. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, you outsmarted her. So I think they can see they can see that in you that not only are you trying to give them decent information, but that you know maybe if they listen to you, maybe they could get laid too, right? So I um, I'm, I, I can't speak to that, but I'm gonna take that as a definite compliment. But I think oh, some stop. of it is he sees me and all the other girls every time he has his shirtless photos on Instagram, Mr. Bats. Martin but, Bats. <laughs> but dudes also hate that type of shit too. Some cats, you know, they will still envy that type of thing. But I think like like sometimes they'll tell these dudes that you're gay or you're soft or whatever. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me that stuff. You can't tell me none of these bullshits that you're telling people and right. I'm going in intellectually so I think to a certain degree like I do get that same shit but I'm a I'm a I'm gonna get back at you real quickly. But it's just unfortunate that instead of talk because most times I wanna have the conversation with you. And too many cats, they just deflect with, you're a simp. And I'm like, bro, let's, let's run it. Like, right. de like, debunk what I'm saying. Let's talk logically. But instead, they want to fight. And that makes it more obvious that, okay, you're not emotionally mature enough. Or like, you know, you don't got the range no, for this and the other thing is, is that it's a shame that we even, like, I can't wait till we move past the point where it doesn't matter if someone comes off soft or gay or anything maybe their information they're still giving is legitimate so but for now it's better it's best funneled through you because none of that clients. matters like i don't see how sexual orientation matters when it comes right. to information real shit. i don't care i don't femininity masculinity heart, like none of that fucking matters like is, is what this person's saying real are they sincere is it genuine that's that's the real to me all the other stuff is just frivolous but you know, lower evolved minds be on the No, board. and I know that you, I know that you are also heavily involved, or I wouldn't say heavily, but you're involved in the LGBTQ community. I know you have people you, you hang out with or you interact with, and you're very supportive of trans and, and gay rights and stuff like that. And I wish we had time to get into that. I, I, trust me, I would love to pick your brain about that as well, because I've seen that you do that and you know a few of the the people I like from Pose and stuff. So that's, I think that's great. I think that it's, I think the thing that I like about you the most is that you have such a colorful palette from your career to what you're willing to talk about to who you interact with. I think you bring a lot to the table. So I want, before we run out of time, I want to really make sure people get to know you. So do you have any projects that are coming up at the moment? Um, okay, right now people could catch me on the last days of Tyler Me Great or with Samuel Jackson on Apple TV. They could catch me on Killing It, that's on Peacock TV with Craig Robinson. 
uh, those are two fun projects because in both of them, like like you were saying, you alluded to earlier, I've been a lot of like nefarious guys and stuff mm -hmm. like, you know, in some of my roles. And in both of those roles, I got to like, I'm killing it. I got to be more comical. And on Tyler Me Gray, I just got to be a guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just not like myself that wasn't about to beat anybody up. I didn't have to hold any weapons. You know what I'm saying? It's so I enjoyed nice. it in particular. Um, I just finished shooting a scene for the, they're doing a, uh, George Foreman biopic right now. They're shooting that. So um, that's coming out, I think, next year. So that's all I know of right now. But hey, I'm, all, I'm, I'm still grinding. I'm still auditioning. So, so all right. And throw, and just for all the people who are listening, just throw out your, your social media for all of them. Oh, yeah. Y'all can follow me at Mr. Bats on everything. Spell it, Mr. Outer. You're going to find another cat. Uh, you can uh, follow uh, flywithbats.popping.com. It's the Fly With Bats podcast. That's where that is. You can catch the old the old material. You can also go to youtube.com slash gumbomonster504. And you're gonna just, you just get a lot of me and my team on there. So that's most that's mostly, yeah, that's me. I <laughs> that's appreciate me. you so much, man. I wish we had so much more time to, to talk because I really, honestly, I think you're a fascinating person. I You guys should definitely check out his work on any of those apps or use Cody uh whatever and just whatever because you know we can't it's, there's a lot of apps there's a lot of apps so I I get it like I already have yeah. most of them and I still don't even have Peacock and trust me like there's a lot of apps so but you're gonna be in so many things one of them we're gonna we're all gonna see at some <laughs> point you're gonna be in something that everybody sees so we're all gonna see you I that's believe the, in you that's the plan baby I appreciate that For I real. do all right, well, until next time, thank you very much, Mr. Bats, for being here. And, hey, <laughs> and next time, I'll see you guys. Until then, keep it nice and steaming hot. <laughs>